You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Hello, I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And you're listening to the Australian Finance Podcast. A podcast where we talk about money, finance, investing, and all that good stuff. We're helping you invest your time and money better one podcast episode at a time. Yes, so please subscribe if you like the series. And don't forget you can find us on social media. We're on all the platforms. Kate, where can people go? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Rask Australia. That's R-A-S-K Australia. Mm -hmm. And I'm Owen Rask on Twitter or Owen Rask AU on Instagram. Beware the imitators. People like to copy us. Without further ado, let's jump in to today's episode. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. How are you going? I am very good, on. Yes, we are very good. We are talking about nine lessons learned in 2022. So we've been doing this for how many years now? Well, I've been podcasting for five years, so oh, have oh, you, okay. I think, wow. we've been running the finance, I can't even say it, the, the Australian keeps, Finance you keep, Podcast. You keep saying it, fine arts, and it's, it's screwing me up, but we've been running the finance podcast for four years now. We started in January 2019, mm. so we've learned a little bit. Yeah, and in the time that podcast has grown into something wonderful, and so many people tune in, but if you're new here, which you may be. Because a lot of people start listening to finance podcasts or even fine arts podcasts. I'm sure they see an uptick in downloads as well. But what what happens a lot of the time is when people come to finance, they just want some answers. They want someone to say, what do you guys know and what can I get from you? Like I always think about that when I go and speak to experts. I think, what are the things that are really important? And so we're going to share with you some of the things that we've learned over 2022. Obviously, we've been doing this a long time. But in this episode... We've got nine things, and if you just pay attention to even a few of these things, they might not all make sense to you, Mm. but maybe one of them does, and maybe what that is like is like skipping or hitting fast forward on your education, and so you can catch up quicker to the where everyone else may be in a couple of years, you do it in a couple months. So pay attention to what we're about to say. They're very different. Warning. These lessons are probably not what you expect from the Australian Finance Podcast. Um, they probably wouldn't even be what you see on the Fine Arts Podcast either, Kate. So if you're new here, subscribe to the series if you like the show. And I hope you get something from this episode because it is an important one. Yeah. And at the end of the day, a lot of our financial success actually has a lot less to do with money and a lot more to do with ourselves. Yeah. So excuse us while we go on a trip and get a bit deep and meaningful in this episode, but we're going to introduce... Maybe we'll go, I go, you go through the nine, nine, I guess, things. Um, And then we can just spend a couple minutes on each. And what we would love to do is if you take a moment over Christmas and over the January period to just think to yourself, what have I learned over the past 12 months? It's a three-year apprenticeship, which is what we always say. What have you learned? 
over this period. Maybe you can write it down or just reflect on it for a few moments. Like even right now, what have you learned? Uh, I think these are great opportunities to do that. And then think, well, what can I take into 2023 with me? Mm. I'll start with one that is a very big thing for me. And it is probably the most profound thing that has happened to me in the last decade, which is that I think that mental health is one of those things that is drastically underestimated. And what I mean specifically is that I started seeing a psych about a year ago, maybe a bit more. And I'll tie this into finance in just a second, so don't worry. Well, what's actually what I've realized is when I get interviewed on a lot of um, podcasts and wherever I appear, they always say, "Oh, you know, what are your goals? What do you what do you do this for?" And I'm like, "I don't have any," because I don't. I'm not really a goal setting type. And I think now I've realized that I think a big part of that is through insecurity. I've never really felt confident or okay to do goal setting because I'm like, it's not going to happen anyway. You know, that full imposter syndrome, it's not going to happen. Whereas actually seeing a psych throughout all of 2022 and a bit of 2021 changed my life. Because what happens a lot of the time when it comes to money, we only we only pursue money for something, for a reason. For me, it was like anxiety because I didn't have a lot of money growing up. Um, so for me, it was trying to escape that anxiety constantly. So money made sense. It seems like maybe that's a, a lotion you can put on this and it cures it. But what I've also realized is that if you want to grow wealthy, most of that doesn't have to do with the money itself. The money is just an enabler for whatever you're trying to do in your life. And I had no idea. And so it wasn't until I started this process, you introduced me to the idea of a vision board. Um, and I've since taken that. And I think that's the most profound thing that's ever happened in my financial life is actually just having something and being like, that is why I'm investing. That is why I want money. You know, and even that that sentence in itself, I want money, seems like it's like, oh, no, you can't talk about that. Oh, no, that sounds very gr- like you're a greed-focused person. Well, no, hmm. actually, no. It just means like I want money because I have an intention to spend it in a way and to use it in a way that brings me happiness. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't invested the time and effort um, and a little bit of money to see a psychologist, to see it. And now I've got a, uh, a life coach and a business coach. So both of them working in tandem, which is just incredible. So like this is not just my best investment lesson of 2022. It's probably my best investment lesson of all time. And Glenn James, the founder of My Millennial Money, who was at our event not too long ago, he said, if there was one thing that I wish I knew was how much I underrated mental health. And I totally agree with that. Um, we often bury our head in the sand. So um, I've spent more than a few minutes on this, Kate. So apologies, but it is really important. It's easily my number one thing from the last decade of doing this. Yeah, I mean, there's no point being wealthy and not having anything else going for you in life. You want to make sure that you've focused on all those other important blocks and pieces of the puzzle mm. as you're building wealth. And I think that's why it's I find the financial independence movement so interesting because they talk a bit about the numbers, yeah. But they also talk about that lifestyle design and all the other things of finding hobbies and building community and getting to know their neighbors that is much more important than just the money. 100%. Uh, we, I'd say that as a community, the fire community, probably the, the one that has figured this out. Like it's not just about having a million dollars and then living off the dividends. It's not. It's actually about like, well, okay, what do you do to get there? Like as in... People think of it as sacrifice, but it's probably more just like a rearranging of priorities in order to save money. But then once you get there, a lot of people would struggle with, you know, I met a guy on Friday night and he said, yeah, you know, I built financial independence out of property, not shares. And I could tell when he was talking to me about it, he still had a lot of questions around like, what do I do with the money? How do I spend my life? Um, And that's an example of where I don't think now, I think if I had have gone the way I was going, I would have ended up in the same situation as him. But because now I've spent the time to invest in my own mental health, that I realize that I'm a, like, I won't need to have those questions anymore because I'll, I'll be comfortable because I have that North Star. I'm working towards something. Mm. Um, so my, my takeaway from this is like actually spend the time and there is absolutely no stigma, zero stigma at all. Uh, going and seeing someone or speaking to someone. It doesn't even have to be a professional half the time. It's good if they're independent, but it can be a friend. It can be anyone. 
Um, the reason that I invest is because I, I'm thinking of a, a future that I want for myself, for my kids, for my family. Um, and to do that, you got to understand a lot about yourself. So that's my number one, Kate. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I guess my that's, next. That's one. deep. That's a big one. <laughs> They're all a bit deep today. I think we're allowed to go deep once a year. But the next one is the importance of talking about money. Mm. So talking is important, talking about everything that's going on in your life, having people that you can talk to, but also the conversations about money because so many of us didn't grow up having these conversations. We don't talk about it with our friends or colleagues or maybe people have shut us down before and yep. told us not it's not okay to ask this. And I think the more I've done it this year, like I've always been quite comfortable talking about money, but I think it's having more conversations with people from all works, walks of life that I've realized that everyone has such a different starting point when it comes to their um, their financial journey and even what they currently know and what they want to do with money or what even money means to them because it's so different. And um, it's also like important to know that not everyone's going to learn about money or talk about it or value it in the same way as you. And that's that's really okay as well. Someone might not want to talk about money with you or they might not be ready to discuss investing because they're still just getting themselves out of debt. And so meeting them mm. at their level and not if one approach doesn't work, well, that doesn't mean no approach will work. It might just be rethinking how you have that discussion with a loved one. Yeah. Um, so one of the big things that, it, and this ties into my point, which is that if you know yourself, you don't have as much anxiety. Like mm. having the ability to, the interest for introspection means that you can basically have that self-talk and you'd be okay with that. Whereas a lot of the times, if you don't have that, you're not okay. Um, and so then you can use that position of strength to communicate with others. Like one of the things, like I'm a finance guy, but I'm super, super, super anxious about money, right? Like there's no, there's like a, I am. And I don't, it's not like the anxious is in like, anyone who knows me knows I'm like super generous. I give a lot of money away. To a fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, like we yeah anyway um but the the thing is like i think a lot of that comes from the point of like anxiety and that sort of stuff and so that also manifested in the way that i often can't talk about money with people in my immediate family because i just like that's where a lot of that comes from mm. and so what i've realized this year is that one to your point it's okay to talk about money two we should be doing more of it and three without communication you cannot build harmony so you cannot build harmony with your finances. You cannot build harmony with your partner in a relationship. You got to have those that you got to talk about stuff. Yeah, and we've been to a lot of events and panels and speaking gigs over the last twelve months where people have said this is the first time I've actually seen a group of people having these conversations, whatever the topic was, and everyone in the audience just loved the fact that they could get together and meet other people who also want to learn and talk about money. And I think if you can't find a person in your close friends or family to have these conversations, then maybe start looking if there's an, some events you can go to this year. Uh, we're hoping to run some other podcasts and all sorts of other groups run events. Maybe there's an online community you can join, but you might have to find a spot where you can have these conversations if that doesn't exist in your current world. Yeah. That's why this podcast is so successful, Kate, is because, and you and I both know this, I'm saying this for everyone else's benefit. The reason that this podcast is so successful is because people don't feel comfortable talking about money yet. So where do they, they come? They come to this podcast and they think, well, these two guys, they're really open. It's kind of like there's no limit on like kind of talking about money, about finance, about super, about all these things that other people would say is boring. It's too sensitive. You can't talk about that stuff. Um, you can listen uh, and then hopefully meet us when we come on the road and you can meet people like we even had a financial advisor that we share the office with. He sent us an email just before being like, I cannot believe so many people talk about this stuff. Like he came to the event and presented. Um, and then there were like thousands of people that have watched it online, that event that we did. And so like there are so many people out there in Australia, in indeed the world, that want to talk about the stuff. And that just illustrates to you that it is important to so many people. It might not be important to the people immediately around you, to Kate's point, but in time it will be. Hmm. And the stigma will be gone. So... Yeah, communication, super important because um, that's what builds the strength in not just relationships with our loved ones, but also friends and, and family members. So back on the topic of kind of 
uh, internalizing things. My number would be number three. My number two is, um, and this is something that I said last year, which is that uh, EQ trumps IQ. So I still believe this very strongly that the, the, the best way to get good at money and investing is to be emotionally balanced. And the reason I say this is most of us aren't. Like, in fact, all of us aren't rational. There's no, there's no question. Like, no one is rational. Um, the best we can hope for, as Morgan Housel would say, is reasonable. And to that end, you know, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to feel that we've got imposter syndrome all the time when it comes to money. Like, oh, I don't know enough. I don't have enough money. I, you know, all these people have degrees. They must be doing something I'm not. The market knows something. My stock's down. I don't know what that thing is. I'm jumping at shadows, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the people that are really good with money and all the super, super wealthy people that we talk to, like financially wealthy, Kate, I think it's fair to say they're all human. <laughs> um, in 2022, I interviewed this uh, lawyer who has his own practice. He's got 30 lawyers or thereabouts all around Australia. Super, super impressive. Like people from around Australia said, oh, I heard that podcast you did with such and such. I can't believe that. Like this guy is just amazing, right? Yeah. And I asked him, oh, how'd you start your business? He's like, to be honest, I just made it up. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's not IQ, that's EQ. Like he just gave it a crack, like all yeah. of us are trying to do. So that's what investing is. I would just say, Spend less time thinking about the numbers and spend more time thinking about what you want from investing. Um, and if you just listen to this podcast, you'll learn all you need to know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it's not one of my lessons, but one of the biggest things that I it finally just hit me on the head. I mean, I should have always known this, but it finally came into my awareness during 2022 was that everyone just makes it up as they go along. No yeah. one's worked out how to adult. They're just figuring it out. And then if you can find a people people that are a few steps ahead of you on that figuring it out journey, then you can learn from them and it take, makes it a little bit easier to take your first steps as well. Yeah. And like I've never met any investor who hasn't made a mistake. And if they do say that, that's why we say there are no guarantees. There are never guarantees. No matter what you see on like some spammy ad or whatever, there is never, ever, ever a guarantee. Sadly, people find that out in a really hard way. Like in 2022 with all the cryptocurrency stuff, people realize, hold on a second, this thing's actually just full of people that are taking advantage mm. or even on like some of the the stock market stuff that happened over the last few years people were like oh this actually thing that they thought and i i thought and they told me it's not true nothing is a given yeah and so it's basically the way we bounce back you know once we fall off that really defines who we are and um we've got some more things on this but that would be number three for me but number three for us is eq which is emotional intelligence trumps iq which is like the intellect in investing. Yeah. What's All your right. numero two, Kate? My fourth, the fourth one, if we go back one, two, one, two, it'll be confusing. So okay. the fourth one on our list is writing down your investment plan and the reason for making each investment. Now, this is a reminder to myself mm -hmm. as much as anything, because as much as I say that, I still don't do it all the time. Same. So, I mean, whether that's something I should start doing uh, is something I probably need to work on. But um, it does help if you write, especially if you're confused and trying to figure this out and you're feeling a bit lost, writing down what you know so far and how much you're going to invest and when you invested and what the reasons are at the time you make that decision. And then down the track, whether it was a good decision or a bad decision, and it depends because it might have been a really good decision, but the market might fall and then you can reevaluate. Or it might have been a bad decision, but you just fluke it. So it's important if you've got this framework at the start where you've written down why you've made that investment, you can come and revisit that in six months, in 12 months, in five years, and you can learn from that and you can improve your financial decision-making process. Does it need to be like, is there a set rule on like how long this needs to be or like how big it is? Well, considering I don't do it very well myself, I just might do one or two lines. Yeah. We actually have, I think there's two types of things that you should plan for. One is like the big picture, like yeah. what is my wealth creation journey? Like we talk about like tracking your net worth or like having a spreadsheet where you've got like how much you plan to save and invest and blah, blah, blah. That's the big one. But then even for each individual investment, just writing down why I'm investing in this thing is like a little mini plan within a big plan. Yeah. Because a lot of people, this is more so for individual stock market investors, like people who buy individual shares. They're very much like, I'm going to buy this insert crazy sounding technology company 
and I'm going to see what happens. And then they're like, panic? Well, if you just wrote down a little bit of why you did that, your future self will thank you because you'll be like, so that's why I made that decision. Well, I can learn from that or I can, oh, it's actually worked out, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so I could probably... I, what I definitely do is I do have a one-page financial plan of where I'm investing my money for this year, when is it happening, and I break down the 12-month into monthly or quarterly installments of what that will look like. Mm-hmm. So I do have that. That is definitely okay. something I have written down and ticked off for the last few years. Or some t- I usually review it in the middle of the year and then I kind of have a adjusted from July onwards version because I might be making p- good progress and I can increase my goals or... I might have to decrease them, but it's the reason for making each purchase is something that I have been talking about for a long time and still are not really doing. Like I didn't even write down why I bought my property this year or last year. Did you have a like a, a checklist or like a property brief? You know how we talk about in the free property course, uh, having like a, a list of things you wanted? Because I'm pretty sure you did that. I'm in pretty sure head. we went over that. You wanted to be like near train. Yeah, but I didn't write it suburb. down at any point. So that's something that I would say for most people. You should at least like have a few dot points. Yeah. Mine was very basic. I literally have like had like me and my partner in the middle and then drew like the five things, like little images, little icons of like the five things that were most important to me around that. And I said like, well, then a circle, which ones are the most important? Yeah. I mean, I had the dot points of not on a main road, close to public transport, safe, yeah. nice area, yeah, near parks. But- that's good. Give yourself I mean, some. I didn't actually write anything down, and I've been talking about <laughs> writing things down for years. So, there you go. If you um, if you are a RAS core member, you can jump into the membership, and there's a, I think it's in the menu. There's a DIY investment guide, which is a PDF that we've put together, um, and it will go through like the. It, it's like ten pages. It doesn't have to be this long. It's like ten pages. It just walks you through the different things. Yeah, I just think when you are getting started, and it is does feel all new and overwhelming, writing things down does help. Yeah. Like we've always said that like investment journals yeah. are, are cool. And that's why like a lot of this blogging and finance came around because people started blogging like as a trade, like as a journal for like their investing mm. and um, it, they realized how good it was. So I might actually leverage off that and just go with the, with a different one then is, um, which is my next one. Number five on our list is um, actions have impact. So what I mean by that is this is not necessarily something that I... Is it new to me? But I just realized this this year. I think since RAS started in 2017, we've been toiling and toiling and toiling and really, really, it's been really hard. Um, but we're starting to see a lot of the fruit from that labor. Like um, in our industry, like we've really established ourselves now as like a really trusted brand and People like what we do and we can see that when we have our events, like we're changing people's lives, which is amazing. And what I would say is that a lot of people are like us. We just happen to do it. And what I mean by that, this is not like a motivational pep talk or maybe it is, but what I would say is like Lee Matthews at our event, who's the AFL legend, said that no one can see what you're thinking. No one knows what you're thinking. People only know what you do, your actions. Actions are the only thing that have impact. A lot of us, when we start investing, for example, we think about it, it's a good idea, but we never do it. No one's ever going to know, including you probably. Mm. So just do it. Like it's a Nike slogan, just do it. Just give it a go. Just give it a crack. Yeah. Whatever it is. I mean, the way I like to frame that is just be someone who keeps promises to themselves. So if you say Mm, tomorrow I'm going to go for a run, are you actually going to do it? A lot of us say, oh, we want to go to bed early. We want to exercise tomorrow. But do all of us do it? Not always. You know, one of the things that like, the one of the earliest lessons I learned from my life coach slash business coach, she does both for me, is um, just like you use a lot of like maybes and could statements or should. She's like, don't, just stop doing that. Just say, you're going to do it or you're not. Yeah. Like it's not arrogant. You're just going to do it or you're not. Like pretty simple. Like if you speak to Victoria Devine for She's in the Money, she's either going to do it or she's not. She's not halfway in between, you know. That's one thing I noticed about Victoria. And so I would just say to anyone listening to this, if you're going to start a business, do it. If you're going to go and invest, do it. Don't wait. Don't think about it. Just do it. Mm. Put something on the paper. You will start learning once you do something and take some action. Yeah. And and we meet so many amazing people, whether they're business owners, entrepreneurs, or people that come to our events and they're like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. I've got this idea. I'm like, just do it. Yeah. Absolutely do it. 
give it a crack. And if it doesn't work, no, you've done it. Yeah, everyone gets to where they are because they, at one point in their journey, whether it was a few weeks ago or three decades ago, they took that first step. And this ties in with your plan statement, Kate, because one thing that we know that works with financial planning, which is when you try and predict like what will happen in the future because you're planning for it, is by having a plan, you are much more likely to follow it. So follow a strategy that makes sense. So what I mean by that is like in a time of real uncertainty, when the stock market's down or when property's seemingly really spooky and there's scary headlines, having a plan is like, I plan for this. I saw something like this coming Mm. and I'm going to do it. And a lot of people, when they don't have the plan, they have the right intentions, but they just don't do it. And I think people can get caught up in the planning and the research mode as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I mean. Like, just do it. If it's a small-ish decision, just do it. Yeah. But um, that's what, yeah. That, to your point about planning, that's where why it helps. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking to some friends in the past year, and it's like, if you can, if the decisions are just a small decision, and the result will be either low impact if you get it wrong, it's reversible, it's low cost if you get it wrong, then you mm. make that decision in less than a minute. Yeah. Whereas if it's a bigger decision, which if you get it wrong, it will impact other people, or you might not be able to reverse the result, or it's going to have a big time or financial or emotional impact on you, then that's kind of the decisions that you want to talk through that you want to spend more time on. See so, a professional even. Yeah. yeah. And talk to people. And so that's how I kind of like keep moving through my day because I can make split second decisions, not as quickly as the ones you have to make for air traffic control, but I can make <laughs> those small decisions really quickly, which gives me more time to focus on the big ones and keeps me moving. Yeah. And there's the two types of decision makers, right? There's the one that studies every can of baked beans and there's someone that's like, That'll do. I'm the definitely that'll do, Kim. Um, and I, it must be paralyzing for people that do take a long time to make those types of decisions. But I guess one of the frameworks you can use is regret minimization. So this is the idea of just, you know, if I'm, am I going to regret it and how much? Like if I've got two choices, which one could I regret the most? You know, avoid that one. Um, so, I mean, sorry, do that one. You want to make sure that you're you're maximizing that and you're giving yourself the best chance. And also, I would say that, you know, a lot of the things that we do in life are not that impactful. Mm. Like in the financial sense, the big one is um, property. And I don't just mean your first property, which is very important, but also people that buy investment properties. A lot of the time, they don't know what they're doing. They just are buying emotionally. So so I'd say that's a high impact decision. The, if that goes well or if it doesn't go well, it's going to have a huge impact on your life. Absolutely. And it also, it's not just your financial life. It's where you live. It's your emotions, like your stress levels, your whatever. Like, do you want traffic going past your door and hearing it every day? Or do you want to take more time and go and find something further out or do a bit more research or something like that? Like, that's where you need that kind of that guidance to help you. And we're huge advocates of like getting the right advice at the right times for the right things. Um, But there are many decisions like $500 in an ETF. You could lose 500 bucks. You'll recover. Um, buying a share on a micro-investing platform with 50 bucks, you'll recover. Um, I don't mean to make light of it, but it, it is true. You will recover. Like We've all lost more money than that. We started with the same amount of money. Um, so just, just keep that in mind. Okay, so that was number five. All right. On a similar vein of regret minimization, one way I do that is focusing on what I can control. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things in investing that we don't have any control over, like what's happening in the global economy, what the stock market actually does. We don't have control, direct control over all of those results. And so what we can do is stop spending so much time stressing about which company is going up today and what's happening in the global economy and Mm. all of that kind of stuff and focus on what we can control in our financial lives. Like We can control paying off debt. We can control building our emergency. We can control, to some extent, where we're working and our income and whether we can invest more in our career so we can grow our income over time and we can control where we allocate our portfolio. So that's what I like to focus on, all the things within my control and not stress too much about the things I can't control. Yeah. Um, that's I would say also tie your goals to that too. We talk a lot about people mm. that have like a we, we say like use that net tracker, the net wealth tracker, like a thing that tracks how much assets you have and how much debts you have and then it's basically the difference is your net worth. Like if you Google a celebrity or whatever. Yeah. A lot of people, when they set financial goals, they set $200,000 in an investment portfolio. 
you know, and they get really disappointed when they get to 180 or it goes to 200, then it falls back. But that's investing. Yeah. So maybe focusing, this is a good example, illustration of what Kate's talking about is, well, how much can you save? Yeah. Maybe that's the goal. The inputs. Yeah. Not necessarily what the balance is because that's something you can't control. Um, and so that's a really simple illustration of maybe make the goal around how much can you save, not how much can you, like what your total portfolio is worth because that will fluctuate. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, and when I mentioned my overall financial plan before, when I break it down each year by month, it's it's only input based. It's yeah. not. I want to know what the overall portfolio looks like, but I'll do that on percentage terms and not dollar value. So mm. I'm like, this is what I want the portfolio to look like uh, holistically. And these are all the inputs I'm putting in. And over time, if things go to plan, I will get that net wealth, net worth result yeah. eventually. Yeah. And then, you know, some of the things you can do to make this easier when it thinks it comes to inputs and whatever is uh, actually just use automation. And that actually sidesteps a lot of the um, the behavioral biases mm. that we've talked about. Uh, it's just use automation to met, use that as your kind of like uh, your ability to hit those targets. Like I'm going to save and do, I'm going to save hundred bucks a month. Well, automate that. So it goes yeah. into a different bank account. Um, take away that. You know, and then oh, I'm going to invest. I'm going to save to invest 500 bucks a month. Automate it. Yeah. Um, really simple step. You can I mean, this there. is very anecdotal, but the two funds that I've had automated, like $200 or so, going in every month for about four or five years, I have not had any emotional attachment to the result. Mm. Whether it's good, whether it's bad. Some months it's up, some months it's down. That money has gone in automatically without me having to think about it for years now. And I'm not emotionally attached to it. And so that's made it easier to stay invested for a long period of time. Whereas some of the other accounts where I might more manually transfer the money across and then each month I'm like, okay, what am I buying? I mean, it's a bit different mm. now. I've kind of changed my approach to that. When I was making those individual investment decisions each month and what day and what to invest in, there's a lot more emotions attached to that. So I have seen, in, even in my life, the the difference that automation has made in being able to stick it out and invest for a long period of time. Yeah, I like it. Uh, maybe we'll stick with you, Kate. If you want to go one more, yeah. um, then I'll chime in with one more after that. Number seven is, I guess in the name, but your personal finances are personal. And yep. we talk about a lot of different things on the podcast, on the investors podcast, when you're reading The Barefoot Investor or any other books, there's so many different things mentioned and some things will work for you and some things you might try and they kind of work, but not quite. And some things just might not work at all. And that's, that's the thing. Not everything's going to work. And so you might want to do something that's quite different to other people. So we might chuck out the number when we're talking about emergency funds and we might say, three to six months of living expenses in a high interest savings account. Yep. And then you get to six months of living expenses and you're like, I don't think that's enough. I've got an insecure working environment. I've got a big family. 12 months is what I need. Yep. And then that might be right for you. And then you you go off and do that. You build your 12-month emergency fund and you can invest with a lot more security. You can sleep at night. And that's because it works for you. And I think that's people can get caught up in those traditional personal finance rules, like those phrases and the things that people talk about a lot. But at the end of the day, you've got to find the right approach to you. And I'd say everyone that's listening to the podcast has a different approach to investing, to their finances, to their overall strategy and how they manage their money. And that's because they're starting to work out their own approach. Yeah. We... You know, here on the podcast, we kind of have to stick to some rules of thumb because it generally helps people um, like get off first base. Like there's something to work towards, like a target in the yeah. distance. But as you go, you'll realize that that's a moving target for a lot of people. Um, you know, even in the Barefoot Investor book, a lot of people that come through that on that journey, they might see like, oh, 20% of savings to invest. That's a lot. And that's why we always say like, we'll start with 1%, like start with 2%. Then work up like 1% this month, 2% next month until you find the balance. You might find that 30% is what you can save. Well, great. You might find that your neighbor can save 10% and you might be like, oh, well, I saved that. That doesn't matter. Like that doesn't matter. And if, if we talk about, you know, we save money on, I don't know, electricity bills, you don't have to, <laughs> you know, you can yeah. listen to the podcast because we're going to tell you how to save money and we're going to tell you how to invest and do all these types of things. So hopefully you can take some of it. But a lot of people, Kate, have listened to every single one of the episodes and people now 
we're recording this, you know, late 2022, early 2023. A lot of people listening to this will be listening to it in the moment, but we have thousands of people that have listened to every single one or go back and are starting their journey now <laughs> and will eventually probably listen to this a year from now. And at the end of the day, everyone goes on their own journey. And most of those people will not take any action from this episode, but they'll listen to the ideas and what was spoken about and think, oh, maybe I should do that. And eventually maybe something drops. Yeah. But then there'll be some people that take so much away from this episode. Um, so everyone is different. Everyone is unique. And we all go on a journey. Yeah, so. and I think it's also a reminder not to compare yourself now that's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. I think we all end up comparing ourselves at some point about one aspect of our lives, whether it's our appearance or our success at business or not so success at business <laughs> yeah, or that's like it. <laughs> our investing journey or what that person bought or that holiday. But yeah, it's just coming back to what do you actually want in your life and what does that look like? And not spending all your time thinking about what everyone else is doing and everyone else living their best life on Instagram and not their real life on Instagram. Yeah. I've, um, this is my number eight or yeah. our number eight, I should say, um, is that good habits crush good budgets. So Mel Brown talked about this a lot in her book, Budgets Don't Work, but this does, which is a really catchy title. Um, where you have different personality types uh, and to your point about individuality, I think that's one thing that was pressed upon us through all the authors and guests that we've had on the show this year is a lot of people, you know, the people that I find that are most successful with money are people who have sorted out the other stuff, like the the mental health, the behavior, having like a, a, a clear idea of what they want in life. Those people tend to be brilliant with money on average. They tend to be brilliant. Now, they, if I could give like a gold star to a group of people, that would be it. And fortunately, a lot of people are like that. Um, and, and fortunately, equally fortunately, everyone else can be like that. You can get to a point where you do have that feeling of okayness, where you're just in the moment and you're like, this is okay. Um, and you don't need all the flashy cars and all that sort of stuff to be happy. And so when it comes to forming habits, there are many different theories on this, but... Um, I guess the belief is that generally held that it can take around six weeks to form a habit. Um, and more of the research that seems to be emerging suggests that it's actually not the time that it takes to form a habit. It's actually the, the, the hit that you get from the feedback loop. So it's not about how many repetitions you do. It's the reinforcing psychological benefit of each uh, loop that you go through. So if you wanted to save you know, some money, you might say, or exercise is a good example. Exercising a little bit every day will probably form a stronger habit than exercising one big time every week because you're constantly reinforcing mm. that good behavior and you're feeling good about it every each and every day. And that's probably more powerful than the big chunky feel good factors. So what we find in this is saying like the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. It's something that I've spoken about a lot on the show. Basically, what that means is like you start by not realizing you're building a habit and then all of a sudden the habit is real and you can't shake it. And so this works negatively for some people that have mm. bad habits, but it works incredibly positively for people that have good habits. So that could be saving, it could be exercising, it could be eating right, it could be seeing friends and family, like the habits that we fall into. So I would say if you want to get good with money, focus on reinforcing those habits. Pick three things. Write down, think of three things. I want to be good uh, in my relationships. I want to save regularly and I want to exercise. Pick those three things. See if you can do a little bit of those every day, not one big go. On the on the topic of habits, I think it's really important to celebrate those small wins along our journey because having a big lofty goal of saving $10,000 is massive. But if you can celebrate in a healthy way, so not just go and spend all the money you just saved, but celebrate <laughs> yep. saving your first $500 and then your first $1,000 and tell a friend mm. or if you get your first dividend or buy your first ETF, tell someone and celebrate that because we celebrate other milestones in life and people get around that, but then I think we forget about some of those financial milestones, which are pretty meaningful, especially if maybe you've never saved money before, you've always been in debt. Like, to change those things and actually get out of debt or save your first $500, those things should be celebrated. So find a way to do that or find someone that you can go out and have a coffee with and just reflect on it. Do you remember, I can't remember his name for the life of me, I don't remember it when we step outside the studio. When we were at our Sydney event, 
I'm, I feel really disappointed that I can't remember his name. But he came up to us and he had his first dividend check. And he's like, Kate always talks about celebrating your first <laughs> dividend. And he's like, well, here's my first dividend check and I want you guys to sign it. Oh, uh, yeah, I do you remember, remember that. Do you remember what that was? Yeah. And he's like, yep, can you please autograph this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. And that Someone was awesome. came up to us at Glen's event as well and told us they'd had their first share or dividend. I Was with me? Or was yeah, it, it was with you. Oh, really? Someone came up at the end. Oh, nice. I can't remember. There was so many... People that came up to us, like people that had the books in their hand. And um, anyway, so for those of you that are just tuning in for the first time, if you ever come to one of our events, you will probably walk away with more stuff than you can carry. Yeah, um, but you definitely come up and tell Owen and I, if you made your first investment or you received your first dividend, come and let us know. Yeah, because that's like rocket fuel to our podcast and to us doing this every day. So. You know, we could be doing 101 other things, but we love this. Well, and Instagram will celebrate your first home. I'll celebrate your first ETF. Yeah. So first investment, first dividend check, even if it's 10 cents, let us know. Um, we I remember love when it. Monique got hers, it was just a couple of dollars and she wasn't quite sure what she was going to do with it. But I think <laughs> it's nearly the cost of a latte now. So she's she's getting there. Yeah, cool. I like it. Um, so yeah, celebrate those little wins and reinforce that good behavior. Kate, we're down to number nine. Or up to number nine, depending on how you think about it. Um, <laughs> number nine. I feel like this is one for both of us, but okay. it's we've talked to a lot of people in the past year about the concept of time mm. and the fact that it's a very finite resource. We're never going to have enough time to do everything that we want to do. And so we may as well just start doing some of that now. And I read books like 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, Die With Zero by Bill Perkins, Indistractable by Nir Eyal. Um there's a few other books, but um, just reinforcing the concept that life's pretty short. And so instead of that making you sad, actually use that as a point that oh, I should actually start doing those things that I said, I always wanted to do this. Well, is there a way you can start doing some of that now? I think one of the big, I love that advice. I think one of the big uh, takeaways from a lot of people that have been through the fire journey of reaching financial independence and then plan to retire. Um, I think one of the one of the big criticisms, in my opinion, everyone says this, but one of the big criticisms is people oftentimes worry about that they gave up too much. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not the case, and I don't want to put you off it because that is not what I'm saying. I think it's wonderful. But um, what I'm saying is like there are certain times in your life and there are certain things in your life that you should do, even if they derail some of your long-term goals. Aussie uh, Firebug talks about this a lot, and he spoke about it at our event, which is that he always regrets not going on a trip with friends, mm. with mates to Europe, because that's the thing that you can really only do and you can really only party when you're young and do all that sort of stuff. When you get to 30, it's like, mm. and when you get to 40, it's like, mm. and 50, it's like, who are you? <laughs> so like you want to do things at certain times in your life. And one way I try and think about that, Kate, is in my vision board is I have columns for each decade of my life. Um, and these aren't like hard or fast rules, but it's just like, what do I want to achieve in my 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s? I mean, that's definitely something Bill Perkins, author of Die With Zero, would recommend. Oh, really? Like bucketing things into decades or maybe every five years because you can't climb Mount Everest at 80, but maybe you can do it in your 30s. Yeah, well, that's what I plan to do. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's the kind of thing, right? Like um, just having that kind of awareness of time like we only in the scale of the universe we're very small and insignificant and so we're given this window of opportunity like a flash of light make it make the most of it and this comes back to those actions um the other point that we made was just like yeah just do it go and put it down on paper or figure it out and just go and do it give it a shot yeah I wanted to read one quote. I've got absolutely got heaps here, but this is a good one. Yeah, I really liked Four Thousand Weeks by Oliver Berkman. It definitely made me think this year. That's probably my number one non-fiction book from twenty twenty-two. Here's the quote: "The problem with trying to make time for everything that feels important, or just enough of what feels important, is that you definitely never will. The reason isn't that you haven't discovered the right time management tricks or supplied sufficient effort." or that you need to start getting up earlier, or that you're generally useless, it's that the underlying assumption is unwarranted. There's no reason to believe you'll ever feel on top of things or make time for everything that matters simply by getting more done. And a lot of what he talks about in that book is that you're just never going to have enough time to do everything. And that's a good thing. That's You should find that idea liberating in the fact that that means the only point is to do the things that matter right now. Yeah. 
like there's probably a thousand places that you want to take a trip to in your lifetime and visit or experience or see or you know endless amounts of food or experiences that you want in your life you're not going to get them <laughs> yeah. sorry to burst your bubble so you're just going to pick the ones that matter and and just tune in on those you know um like i think that's one of the things like people believe that greed drives the world but it's actually envy it's envy of not doing something or not being at that place or not having that thing it's actually envy um and so the quicker you can realize that maybe envy isn't that helpful to a lot of people or to myself i think the better off you'll be uh, because you can put that aside and you can say yeah i I, I know I could try and do that thing, but I'm here right now and this is the thing that I'm doing and that's okay, you know? I think that's something that I struggle with for a very, very long time. And so, wonderful quote. So, that can you, what's the name of the book? 4,000 Weeks. 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Yeah, and then there's Die With Zero. By Bill Perkins. And Indistractable by Nier, who we've had on the show. Yeah, I mean, I'd love Oliver Berkman on the show. So, if anyone's got a connection... Let us know. We will ask all the questions if you make the connection. <laughs> so, Kate, just to summarize what we've got on our list, and I'll start with at the top, we've got mental health is the best investment that I personally made. And I think everyone will say the same if they've been on that journey. Um, you said that talking about money is important. Numero three was that um, EQ in investing trumps IQ. Number four was that you should probably write down an investment plan and your reason for making each individual purchase. Like, why did you make that ETF investment? Why did you buy that that particular investment property? And that's related to the fifth point, which was that actions are what have impact. Not necessarily think about doing something, but actually just going and doing it. Um, that is what people will notice, and that's how you create positive change, um, and you just give it a go. Yeah, and I think that's the one one of the hardest things that our community have when investing is just taking that first step. But yeah. You just have to make it once and then you've you've taken that first step. You're an investor and then everything after that is a little bit easier each time. Yeah. Well, if you make that if you make the first investment on account of this episode, we'll give you a Hawaiian shirt when we come to an event near you and we can celebrate, we can give high fives and, and it'll all be joyous, I, I assure you. So number six is focus on what you can control, which is just so important when it comes to money. There are so many things you can't. So yeah, don't worry about it. Focus on the things you can and you'll you'll be better off for it. Number seven was that your finances are personal. So personal finances for a reason, Kate. Mm. You know, we say that all the time. Number eight, good habits will beat a good budget. So if you just have the habits and the kind of mindset of this is the thing that, you know, the repetition and the feel-good factors, these are the things that are important. So I'm just going to keep doing those. Um, you'll find a lot of the other things just fall into place. And finally, you only have a limited amount of time. So thanks for listening to this podcast. But also, you won't be able to achieve everything you want. You may not be able to listen to all of our episodes, just pick the ones that you like. Um, and that's okay. That is perfectly okay. I think we've had, if we just took these nine uh, lessons, Kate, we would have somewhat of a revelation this year. Um, 2022, I mean, it was a big year. year for both of us. Yeah, for many different reasons. So 2023, come at us. Here we come. Here we come. New year, new beginnings. Um, hopefully more lessons to learn. If you have learned some of your own lessons, like we get people write into us. We had some a letter today, yesterday, someone sent a letter through and it was just wonderful. Just as, I'm, and I'm sure it's therapeutic for people that write into us and say, hey, oh no, I've been doing these things. Uh, I just want to say this, this and this. Like we love that. We just like, like let us know or share it on social media. Like if you want to, you don't have to, you can just send us an email or whatever. We just love hearing from you. So mm. let us know. Um, even if it's not a lesson you learn from us, maybe it's a lesson you learn somewhere else. We're <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we open uh, open doors for everything here. Yeah, or share it with one of your friends or family. Yeah. Because a lot of these aren't specifically about money. They're more about lifestyle and mindset and the way we approach our life in general. So this could be a good way to start that, that conversation with a friend or family that mm. maybe you've always wanted to have money conversations with, but it hasn't really been the right time or the right, yeah. right topic. So this could be a a way to sort of open that door. Yeah. Um, you can jump into the RAS core community if you are a member of the RAS services. Thank you very much for supporting us. Um, and you can share what you've got in there. Or who knows, if you write into us and you tell us a little bit about your money lesson, you might even feature on one of our Money and Chill episodes where we get Monique, our producer, in the studio and we just have a bit more of a lighthearted take on finance and investing. Yeah, we'll be back for Money and Chill in Feb 2023. Yeah, so watch this space. Well, Kate, that was wonderful. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.